That looked like a <gasps> chipmunk. Let me get ready. I got to do ready? my exercises before the shows. No, I got to. <sighs> okay, well, Jason does his exercises. Welcome. Are you all exercised? I'm hey, exercised. We can exor- start the show. Exorcism camp. is done. The exorcism uh, is finished. Okay. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Hello and welcome to yet another beautiful and glorious episode of Entertainment Dudes. We are the dudes. I'm Cam yes. from Nashville. And I'm Jason. I'm from Los Angeles. I'm director dude and Cam is uh, ballerina dude. dude. No voiceover. voiceover. I didn't know you voiceover, did voiceover. Dude. I do voiceover. Ah, that's, that's right. right. That's Keep is. telling me this. See? It's Isn't not it ballerina, cute? dude. Uh, it's voice my little tribble that I speak into. You know, the idea right now of you in a tutu is actually quite terrifying. <clears throat> you should see me in a three-three. And you <laughs> t- anyway, uh, <laughs> and you still have your man bun. You still have your man bun. I don't have a man bun. It's a man. It's a bun. No, that's man. not a bun. That's just like bun. a like a, Mo- you know, a manny tail. It's a yes. It's a ponytail. Do have a manny tail. Right. No, I, I don't, don't even know if I could do this show with a man with a manny tail. All right, tail, before but... everybody leaves, why don't we talk okay, about who leave. is on as a guest today? All right, Somebody we, we have an ex. No one love. Yeah, going to say something. No, I mean, I'm just I, I forgot to say exciting. It's an exciting oh, it guest. It's an exciting guest. I'll take a tea. Uh, We're the... really excited to have Zach Bennett on. Now, for those of you who don't know, is that, oh, he's in the show. Okay, here we there go. He Welcome to the show. Wow. I think he's been muted. You muted I think yourself he's been muted. Like, yeah, out of he's... courtesy for us. I don't know. I don't think I can unmute him, can I? I don't think so. He's got to unmute himself. There we go. Hey, he did there we go. Now I can hear you. <laughs> Sorry about that. I got so excited. I was waving my hands around and I unclipped my microphone. I oh, pulled it out yeah. of the USB. So I, <laughs> I don't even know which microphone I'm talking into anymore. But if you guys can hear me, I'm good with that. So we Zach, hear you good. you're you're a, a multimedia superstar. What are you doing right now? What's what's currently on your plate? Uh, aside from unplugging microphones, I'm a ultimate multimedia superstar who cannot handle a microphone. Apparently, no, I am. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I am the assistant program director at WSM Radio in Nashville, Tennessee, which is the oldest uh, radio station in Nashville, uh, and more famously, the home of the longest-running radio show in the world, the Grand Ole Opry, the Air uh, Castle is- of the South. The Air Castle of the South. If you've ever <laughs> driven through Nashville, Tennessee on Interstate 65 and seen that glorious diamond-shaped antenna yes. um, that uh, celebrated just recently its 90th anniversary of being erected uh, just a couple months ago, and it is still going strong, and it is a sight to behold, man. And um, uh, to, to know that my voice comes out of there uh, just still blows my mind. It's that's an honor, man. It's it's uh yeah. I mean that's that's radio royalty right there. That that station still a three letter station. You you hardly mm-hmm. have any of those anymore. I mean that still. Yeah, I know music. it stands for we shall we shield millions. It we used to shield be millions. Insurance, oh. right? Yeah, it was started by the National Life and Accident Insurance Company in 1925. Um, and it was. It was not necessarily uh, put on to sell insurance. It was really put on as a community service to Nashville to be the first radio station. Uh, It was actually the son of the owner of the insurance company or the son of the president of the insurance company who was uh, a radio nerd back in the very early days of radio and convinced his dad and the company to fund this project with the idea that if the radio station goes on the air, then we can 
eventually use that to sell more insurance. And that's exactly what happened. And so the insurance company owned it until 1982 when it was uh, taken over uh, in a hostile takeover by another insurance company. They sold it to the company that still owns it today um, in lineage, not uh, technically there's been some some corporation changes over the years, but it's still the same lineage. Uh, but the, it was the Gaylord Broadcasting Company at the time, now known as Opry Entertainment Group. So here Is we it are. Still in Opry, are you still in Opryland Hotel? Yes. Um, okay. My uh, our studio is right there in the middle of Opryland Hotel in the Magnolia Lobby. Uh, it is the weirdest radio studio I've ever worked in. <laughs> Isn't that is, wild? Yeah. You, Cam, I assume you've been in there. Oh yeah, it is many a, times. Yeah, it is a converted hotel room <laughs> um, that they have built <laughs> yes. a bay window in front of. And mm. so when you're on the air, you are performing to an audience of people from out of town walking through this hallway in front of you. And so there'll be people <laughs> banging on the windows and knocking and waving at you and doing everything to try to distract you. Yeah. And you have nowhere to look but right at them. It is it's a very <laughs> odd radio job for now. Sure. We all worked, we all worked Fair together. Butt cheeks at a, in the glass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Has anyone ever mooned the glad brick? Oh gosh. <laughs> um, not since I've been there, but I have heard stories about the days when there was a nightclub right next door to it. That nightclub oh, is now boy. a bar that attracts a slightly different clientele, but about 10 years ago it was a nightclub. Uh, that I think Kim Kardashian was there for the opening of. That's what they were going for, huh. was that kind of clientele. I have heard stories about some of the things people saw in those days, but uh, it's a wow. little more tame. Yeah, we actually know. shot a couple of videos. To park. Nobody goes in there if they don't have to. <laughs> no, now, we, all, we all uh, worked together at a place that had a similar glass studio. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, but Zach, you and I have gone back to like like early school days. But yeah. Jason, Zach, and I all worked together at uh, the Dave Ramsey organization. So that's how we all know each other. And yeah, we all worked on the the show together on the show together. Yeah. Yeah. So now we've moved on to other things, but just for the audience, that's how we all know each other collectively. And, uh, and yeah, I was just thinking about that. It goes back to when I was in elementary school. Um, (laughs) Are you serious? You know each other that far back. So Cam, I think you're five or six years older than me. And we went to a small private element or a small private school uh, just east of Nashville. And Cam was at that time working on the most popular radio station in town. And that's how I knew of him. Of course, we didn't hang out because I was in like sixth grade and he was a junior or something like that. Right. But it was a small school. So we the elementary and the high school were all in the same area. And um, we like in elementary, our class, like Cam was a god because he was on <laughs> I-107. And we I'm would just do... finding out about this. So, yeah, <laughs> nothing has we... changed. I view him the same way, Zach. <laughs> so we all knew of Cam that way. And then uh. through the years, Cam and I, like, we never actually crossed paths, but we had all these mutual friends. Exactly. And, then, and, and we became Facebook friends when that was, when Facebook was new. And that's what led us all to <laughs> what's to Facebook Cam and me working together. <laughs> it was really Facebook? popular in 2007. You, you know, what's funny about, never about heard of it. Jason is that we were all in the same circle. And when they were asking about Jason coming uh, to our for, former employer, uh, I had all kinds of people that knew him, but I had never met Jason. So we never like communicated. Yeah. Before. Same with and Cam. So I, was, I know crazy. Cam. Everyone knows Cam. And uh, yeah, it was the same thing. How do, how can we be in such a small industry? I've done known know. so many people and not 
It never crossed paths. It never so even heard of each other. So. I'm bringing up, you're at WSM. I was at WSMV TV mm -hmm. for a while, um, which I've always hated that they added the V to it. To have a legacy yeah. TV station, WSM TV, that would have been so cool. But one day uh, they were uh, cleaning out and this thing made it into the trash. Oh, and wow. like this is like old original WSM news back from the early radio days when they when they actually had the jackets and they would put the the pin on the lapel like yeah. some really old stuff and so I've kind of I've kind of treasured this over the years it's like wow you know when I, when I saw and, that it was like amazing and that was when our station moved into the Opryland Hotel was when it had to separate from the TV uh, yeah. in the early 80s and um yeah that was an FCC deal at the time that the the there was no grandfathering in at that point. So no. if you changed owners, you had to change your call sign. So uh, yeah, I hate that. So, so hate and that. now we're kind of, we're kind of back together because our morning show is broadcast on circle, uh, -huh. uh which is a, 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 um, a network that is co-owned by Opry entertainment and gray right. television, which owns channel four and circle is on channel 4.5. So the, the WSM radio life. morning show is now on WSMV every day. So. And I remember so, even uh, back earlier, things were separated, <clears throat> but you still had Richard Thomas, WSM flight 650 yep. on both, you know, so he would be on WSMV. And so, so they've always kind of can, uh, maintained a relationship. My radio stop before WSM was WSM FM, which is owned by a third company now. I was there for about seven years on the air. And yeah. the whole time I was there, I would tell people I work at WSM and they would always be, oh, cool, the Opry? No, the other one. <laughs> and so now I'm at the actual WSM. Yeah. Uh, yep. But uh, it's it's such an honor to be there, man. I get to uh just a little bit about what i do on a daily basis so i'm yeah. helping to run the radio station obviously we're uh coordinate programming and we have a lot of third-party programming right. um that not just that is delivered to us but we work with artists to develop programming around them uh hmm. a guy named dom flemons who is a, a big artist in the roots and americana genre works mm -hmm. with us and charlie warsham who is a member of dirks bentley's band and a country star in his own right we we do a monthly show with him daily and vincent bluegrass maybe yeah. the top act in bluegrass music we do a monthly show with them so i work to coordinate all those shows and put those together every month and then the one maybe one of the coolest parts of my job um is that i write the scripts now for the announcers for the grand Ole opry that's amazing which has afforded me the opportunity to be on the team that is helping to shape the opry as we approach the 100th anniversary and how can we streamline things and i'm mean, sitting in those meetings going why am I here? <laughs> you know, it's like this is something that I have I have paid attention to my whole life is the Grand Ole Opry. And to be on the team that's helping to shape that and to mold it is just such an honor. And it never it never phases me. Um, and then I get to or I guess it does phase me. It, it blows my mind. Never ceases um, to phase you. It never ceases to phase me. Yeah. Um, but then what's also cool is because I write the scripts for the Opry, I get to go up on stage three or four times a week and drop those scripts off at the podium. And so just today, three or four hours ago, I'm standing on the stage at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> and, and, um, it, did you, you sing? Know, it, uh, I know because I would like the building to stay there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. Cause once they find get... out how beautiful your voice is, then. Oh yeah. Oh, no, they'll never. Melodic angel. Yet. 
Yeah. I had such a so there's and there's such a cool memory of mine that's associated with that too because 20 years ago I was on Wheel of Fortune as a contestant on that stage at the Grand Ole Opry. <laughs> no and way. The host, yes. Yeah, I was. Yeah. But all Zach here, thirty-eight hundred dollars that round, sixty-eight hundred all together. But don't worry, everybody, we're just getting started here. And the host of Wheel of Fortune, of course, is Pat Sajak, who 20 years before that was working as the afternoon guy on WSM radio. Yep. So there's and a picture TV. of yeah, and TV. So and there's TV, a picture yeah. of me and Pat Sajak on stage at the Grand Ole Opry, 20 years separate from either of us working wow. there. <laughs> and then I have a picture on stage at the Grand Ole Opry with uh, Enos, Sonny Schroyer from the Dukes of Hazard, yeah. And we had an album out together. So I've got a picture on the stage singing with him too. So, hey, that's something else so we have You've made your Grand Ole Opry debut. <laughs> I, did, I did. As a matter of fact, though, check this out. Like I oh, love wow. this picture. This this is in my uh, in my game room, but it, oh my it's like gosh. an old awesome. uh, Opry picture. This is from the uh, the Ryman. Yeah, that's uh, from when Ryman. The Ryman. But I love this picture. There's some amazing, amazing people in there. Roy Acuff, Grandpa Jones. Um, but yeah, when I was uh, are you in that a, photo too? I'm not in this photo, but I do have a lot of backstage <laughs> black uh, photos <laughs> at the Opry. Uh, my my parents were songwriters, record producers, and so forth. So I grew up uh, backstage at the Opry. So I've got a lot of pictures back there and a lot of great memories, mm -hmm. especially in the in the green room back there. So uh, always a fun place to hang out. And then uh, I remember years ago they used to shoot Hee Haw on the other yeah. side of where the studio a the, yeah where the grand Ole opry is so so it's a it's a pretty cool uh pretty cool area back there and i remember all the they were shooting and... a video for little big town in that space this afternoon yeah. oh, i was man. not supposed to go back there and i accidentally did uh because <laughs> i didn't realize it was a closed set and uh, oh. i just want wander back there because that's where one of the restrooms is for the staff and right i was like what in the world is going on back here and so i I don't think I got on camera, but I should not have been uh, on the set. <laughs> not a close set anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I just got to go to the bathroom, man. Oh, I, I went, I was something. at, uh, I would say, I, I've done a number of productions on the other side, not the music side, but on the production side, shooting at the Grand Old Opry and shooting at Opryland Hotel. And while I was in film school, I actually worked at the Gaylord Opryland Hotel in the convention center. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, during the lunch, a lot of times we do some of our trips and we go by the WSM window, you know, just watch who was ever was in there for a little bit. And, you know, you try to make them laugh while they're doing the show. And it's, most of the <laughs> oh, time, it's the, the staff. it's the staff that actually, I also was just wondering <laughs> if you remembered my butt cheeks. I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> cheeky fellow that guy oh man but you've you've had a long and storied radio career as well you've have, been in in yeah. different markets can you talk about about that your journey through it you've been a a, a pd you've been yeah a, a bunch of different things so my dad was in radio um he was a personality in the 70s uh in small towns he worked in lebanon tennessee and mcminnville tennessee he never made it to the big time but i don't know that he really ever wanted to um, he, he had that existence where he just loved being on the radio in, in yeah. these small towns and being a big fish in a small pond. And, um, <clears throat> his radio career actually ended the day before I was born when the station went dark, oh, um, wow. <laughs> they, they ran out of money and he was put out of a job the day before I was born. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh man. That's got, a tough, uh, yeah, he got back into it. That station would eventually come back online. It's WCOR in Lebanon, Tennessee. It's about 20 miles East of Nashville. And he would he would eventually come back 
for like a weekend gig in 1989 or 90. By that point, uh, that was about 10 years later. And that was my first real exposure to it because he let me come to the station with him. And he right. really wanted to show me where he had worked before I was born. So I got to go in there and that was my first exposure to it. Flash forward 10 years later, that was my first radio job was at that station at WCOR in Lebanon, Tennessee. W-A-N-T is the FM sign. And um, <clears throat> so I would run the board for football games and they would let me talk for 15 minutes play music before a football game started or something to, to get from the top of the hour until 12 15 when the pregame show would start or whatever right. so i very limited experience well the next year i was at, at volunteer state community college right across the street from cam's house and um i uh i went in there and i was a student and i saw an ad to be a uh production assistant intern with the Tennessee Titans radio network. And this is right after the Titans had gone to the Super Bowl in mm -hmm. the spring of 2000. And I had, I was a freshman, so I didn't, I couldn't even get any uh, practicum hours. I couldn't get any internship hours out of it, but I applied for it anyway. And they brought me on. And so I worked for free. I didn't get paid. I didn't get any college credit. I just wanted to be there. And I just soaked it all in like a sponge with the Tennessee Titans radio network the yeah. summer after they went to the Super Bowl when they were the hottest thing in town. It was a big, big deal in Nashville at that time. <clears throat> so that eventually led to working at Titans Radio. I became the studio producer of their broadcast two years later. Um, I worked at the station uh, after it, uh, after the, the Titans thing ended. I stayed there as an air personality on their classic hit station. They changed the format to Sports Talk, and I was there to help launch that sports talk station, which still exists in Nashville, 104.5 The Zone. I was there on day one, get helping get that thing off the ground. Um, I went to Huntsville, Alabama for four and a half years and was a program director of a sports station there and assistant program director of a news station. That led to working for Dave Ramsey. I was there for 11 years, but the whole time I was there, I was also on the air on stations, various stations here in Nashville. I'd bounce around yep. for two or three uh, and I was doing that every, so I was on the air every Saturday morning, I had a full-time job during the week, a nine to five or eight to five, whatever it was. And then I would go and be on the radio Saturday mornings. I'd have to be there at 4 AM and I was on until nine. Um, and I would be on not only in Nashville, but I was syndicated across like 30 markets, uh, on the Westwood one syndicated format. So I would do the breaks for Nashville. How, how did you start own. that show? <clears throat> What oh, was your opener? Do you remember? Oh. No, it was it was just a music shift, but it was on a syndicated network. So Westwood One syndicates formats to various right. stations. This was a classic okay. country syndicated format. And so it was a station that just played 24-hour classic country music. Classic oh, got it, got music. it, got it. But my shift was Saturday mornings. And so I would you know, record that from Nashville and it would be digitally distributed to 20 or 30 markets. I was on in San Francisco and Atlanta and New Jersey and New Hampshire. I think Vermont, we had a station, North Dakota. And a lot of those we would have to do weather inserts. And so we would get to that point in the log. And so I would do like four or five weathers for four or five different parts of the country. And Did you read those? Yeah, it was all from like an RSS feed into our software. So all I had to do was just open it up and and for every market, it was different. So in, I would do Bowling Green, Kentucky, and it was like from the News Center 13 Weather Center meteorologist, John Dobbs says, tomorrow we're going to have a sunny sky, whatever. And then I would do the next one for North Dakota. I'd be like, 
from the news center for storm team and stuff like that. That would, whichever was the, you know, the media partner in that town. And so it was fun. I enjoyed doing it, but you, I did that for about six years and it sucks getting up at four or three o'clock in the morning on Saturday, one day a week and driving into Nashville and doing that. So I just got, I got burnout on it. Burnout. There's a common theme though, that we, that we mentioned to everybody in the entertainment industry. And that's, uh, we had a guest on a long time ago called, uh, named Shun Lee. And he brought up that the, uh, root word, uh, of passion, uh, is actually paseo, which means to suffer. And I think we've all had a passion for this industry in one way or another. Mm -hmm. And we've been willing to, you know, do some early hours or taking, you know, some, some things that basically exhausted us, we were willing to suffer for it. And, uh, it's just because it's something that I don't think that ever leaves your blood. You're just, you know, always, always have, have got to, uh, have a foot, uh, in it, a hand or a foot. When I, when I left, um, excuse me, when I left Huntsville and took the job up here with, with Ramsey, uh, I was like, I'm done. I I'm toast. Uh, (laughs) Huntsville burnt me out, man. It really, really did. Cause I was, I was not making much money and I was the program director essentially of two radio stations. I was the traffic reporter on mornings and afternoons. I was also working as kind of the assistant engineer because we didn't have one. So I was helping him and I was not making any money, but you know, that's where I met my wife. So it worked out it was a good stop so you did get paid just in a different way (laughs) (laughs) yes yes that's a good way of looking at it um but um, we provide different sorts of payments here (laughs) at these radio stations but i told my wife i was like i'm done i'm not i'm not doing this anymore well she worked for cumulus she continued working that's where we met was at the radio station in alabama when we moved to nashville she got transferred to the same job here and for the same company and one year to the day later i was like i need to get back into radio i need to perform i couldn't stop exactly and i I was that's how i got back in the door was through my wife getting me helping me get the job (laughs) i think voiceover for me has been a way because i've always loved acting you know back in in uh in the school days i used to be in like every play and stuff so i've always loved acting I've, i've done stage and on camera and then i loved radio and i feel like voiceover has uh been kind of a, a thing that that placates that desire in me because I get to do the talking behind the mic. I get to do the acting and it really it really has all those parts have come together in voiceover for me. Yeah, and and for me too. Um I I didn't quite realize how much of a performance art radio is until just recently because for me it doesn't it's never really felt like a job. It's just fun. I mean, I I was exposed to it from such a young age because my dad did it. And even when he wasn't actively doing it, we talked about it when I was Mm -hmm. a kid because I was just fascinated by it. And we would sit in the car and listen to AM radio stations from afar. Like we would tune in to WLW out of Cleveland. And at the time it was three WE out of, uh, or uh, no, I mean, WLW Cincinnati. The nation was out of Cleveland. Yeah. And WWL out of New Orleans and WSB out of Atlanta. We would just sit in the car and just thumb through those. And we would have radio conversations when I was a teenager and before I ever got into it. And it was one of those things. It's like, it just, I won't say it came natural because I have, I've had some great coaches over the years who have taught mm-hmm. me best practices on ways to do things. And 
and keep things succinct and don't ramble when you're on the air and and just to make things the most entertaining for the audience. So um, I won't say it came natural to me. It was but it was, you know, it was in my blood, I think, because my dad did it. Um, but just recently, I've really discovered how much of a performance art it is and theater of the mind um, when I started doing improv comedy a few months ago. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and I was talking to my instructor last night at the class that I'm in in Nashville. And, and I was like, you know, when I'm on the radio, my heart rate goes down. My blood pressure goes down because and for 25 years, if I turn on a microphone, it does not bother me. I'm right. operating without a net. It's way more exciting to do it live than to voice track and pre-record stuff, because just knowing that net is underneath you, you screw up way more. And when mm. it's not, it's like mm -hmm. game on when you're live and there's especially when you're live and there's no seven second delay. Um, <laughs> you you really have no room for error there. And um, so, you know, I was talking to my instructor, my improv instructor about that last night, because when I go up on stage at improv, my heart rate just goes through the roof. <laughs> and I'm, like I'm really I'm I am so nervous and blood pressure goes up and I'm just. I'm so afraid that I'm going to fail because I don't have that net underneath me. And I'm like, but I've been doing this You've for 25 years. Exactly. The difference is people can see me now. And my wife said, well, maybe it's helped that you're in a studio. That's got a big window in it now where people uh, can actually see you. And yeah. I think like, it's it does. That's Maybe radio. Uh, radio, actually, I looked at as a training ground almost for everything else because it is seat of your pants. There's no net. So I have no doubt that your radio experience is helping you in, in improv. I and mean, there's things you can take to the table, I'm sure, uh, from that experience. You know, that, that it'll probably also help in your writing too, whenever you're putting together those shows, because if you're improv, you're thinking story. If you're thinking story, yeah. you can, you begin to understand how to tell even better those stories, you know? Yeah. And, and I mean, a lot of what I write is uh, for the Opry is, you know, I mean, it's commercial copy and things like that, but it's like this week in country music history. And I'll go back and, and search for uh, things that happen, you know, on this date in history and, and have yeah. to reword that and write it. And then it's just, you know, it's in the announcer's hands at that point is, are they actually going to read it word for word or not? But, um, and so, so I'll listen to the Opry there. I'm actually missing a show right now to be with you guys, Aww. but this is, Aww, you know what man. though? I don't have to listen to it. I'm just that like into it that I want to listen to it when I'm yeah. at home. <laughs> my boss and my boss is like, dude, do not listen to the Opry when you're at home. He's like, you can't do anything about it. Come in the next day and listen to the air check. That's, you know, that's <laughs> Like, was it there? Now, I, I had heard, I don't know if you've heard the same thing, but uh, it was one, uh, a family member from uh, Hank Williams who said that I saw the light was actually written about the light on top of the tower. They'd be on tour. They'd be coming really? home oh, in the wow. bus and they would see the light flashing and they always knew they were close to home. And so as you do in songs, you always make it a double entendre. But I've heard that that was WSM was actually the inspiration for that song. 
because they'd be out on I the road forever and, and the light started flashing and it's like we're homeboys so it wouldn't surprise me there have been so many songs <laughs> written about our radio station it's crazy because mm-hmm. of the role that the grand Ole opry and wsm has played in the history of country music but the history of nashville yeah. i mean you would it, it's this station is so woven into the tapestry of the reason nashville is music city usa without wsm nashville would yeah. not be known for what it's known for so when when wsm started it was two months after the stations went on the air that the first grand Ole opry was held it was called the barn dance back in those days it got the name two years later to be grand Ole opry but because of wsm's reach and the signal that especially when in those days when there was no other rf interference no it boomed everywhere if you had a radio anywhere in the eastern half of the country you were listening to that every saturday night This is the solemn old judge, George D. Hay, of radio station WSM, the home of the Grand Ole Opry down in Nashville, Tennessee. Because it was playing this this old-time music that you wouldn't hear anywhere else. And the reason that the Grand Ole Opry got its name is because the, the show that preceded it on WSM was the sh- was opera music. Opera. And and the, the host... Was really? uh, Yes, it was it was uh, it was selections from Grand Opera, and yes. so D. Hay, the the founder of the Grand Ole Opry, came <laughs> on and said, "Folks, for the last hour, you've been listening to Grand Opera, and from this point forward, you're going to be listening to the Grand Ole Opry, and that's where the name came from." <laughs> it was just. I always what, wondered how that name came from because it doesn't make any sense when you're like, it, "What the heck?" No, it doesn't. And so, a hundred years later, here we are. In ninety-eight years later, now here we are with yeah. it still. But people would listen to that station from all over the country. And that drew them to Nashville to want to be on the Grand Ole Opry. They would come here just to get on the radio. And some engineers from the radio station decided they would start up a recording company to record these artists when they came. And it was called Castle Records, named in honor of the Air Castle Castle of the South, South. which was the nickname for WSM. And so the first recording studio in Nashville was because of WSM's existence. I'll hold you in my heart till I can hold you in my arms. Like you know. So I said this to my boss, a guy named, his name is Jay Patrick Tennell. I think you know him, Cam. Mm-hmm. Um, he said he knew you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, we, yeah. we know each other. Yeah, great yeah. guy. So uh, he, uh, yeah, great guy. One of the best bosses I've ever had. But he, um, he and I were talking about it even before I came on. And I was like, I envy you. I said, because you are the caretaker of something that is so special and so integral to the city and to the history of country music. And and he and he said he doesn't take that lightly. And so being a part of that team, I don't take that lightly. Um, you know, we're we understand the future of AM radio is bleak. We know that. And we are we're more than just an AM radio station now. We have three streaming stations. We're really working with the Opry mm-hmm. to do the digital side and so that's where our future lies is in the digital arena and we've got some i can't go into it but we've got some really exciting digital things coming up in the next year or two as we approach that 100th anniversary so we're really excited about it and um and to be but still just the history of that station and to be associated with it is just incredible i i really hope Mm. you know no matter what the future of actual signals and frequencies all that is i really hope that tower 
and that building stay protected and are going to going to stay there as a as a monument because um it's just it, it, driving past that it, it's just like you know there's a sense of pride uh being in Nashville and and seeing that knowing the history uh behind it even they had they used to have train tracks by there yeah and you know the train would it, go by it every day uh, and they L&N. would broadcast yeah, they would broadcast the, the train whistle on the radio every day to let people down the line know what time the train came through Nashville. They would literally do that. And so um, uh, there are songs written about that as well. It's uh, we've got we still have the equipment that they use to broadcast that is still at the transmitter site. I saw it a, a couple months ago when I was down there. So it's, yeah. it's, it's such a legacy, man. And just to be a part of it. I mean, when I was working at, at, at Ramsey, our office was just a couple miles from that tower and I would drive yeah. by it every day and look at it and just marvel at that because it is a cool looking tower. For one thing, there's only four or mm-hmm. five of those left standing in the world. And um, it's not just, you know, it's not your standard radio tower. It's shaped like a diamond. Yeah, um, so two towers so really... that are one's upside down and one's right side up. And they make this diamond. Yeah. 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 WLW has another another one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But ours is taller. So we yeah. take great pride in that. <laughs> <laughs> Zach, we really appreciate your time. It's been awesome having you on the show. And of course, we're going to follow you on Instagram and we're going to listen to you on the radio. This has been another exciting episode of Entertainment Dudes. I'm Jason Crossman, Director Dude. I'm Cam Cornelius, voiceover dude. And I'm Zach Bennett, the guest dude. And this is Entertainment Dudes. <laughs> oh man, that was fun. We're gonna that have was fun. Let's do this again next week. I think so too. Okay. I'll think, make I time think. in my schedule. All right. Well. I think what we need to do is even if we have another guest on, we just suddenly pop Zach up. He can close the show yeah. and then he just that disappears. Would be awesome. Oh, man. This has been entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> Great, man. Thank you, thank you, thank you.